Good morning. If you will, will you open up in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 15. <clears throat> We're in a sermon series that's entitled Gratitude Changes Everything. And we're talking about how, uh, especially through this month of November and as we surround ourselves with uh, this beautiful holiday of Thanksgiving, it's a good time for us to remember what thankfulness can do in our lives. And uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about how it develops our theology. And so as we read uh, this text, uh, maybe have that in, in, in the front of your mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start with verse 12. <clears throat> this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedient that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray. Father, I am just so, so, so very thankful for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for the grace that just showers over our lives of sin and how you have transformed us into your image. We pray that you'll continue that work. And as your spirit moves among us this morning, that your spirit will continue its work through your word. Speaking to our hearts and our minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a roof of a really old church that was falling down. And so the members of the church held regular prayer meetings in the hall after the service to pray for funds to repair the roof. There was a really rich old man, known to be very tight with his money, who used to attend and sit near the back of the hall, and he'd sneak out right as that collection plate was being passed. One Sunday, he was late getting to the prayer meeting and could only find a seat at the front of the church. And during the prayer meeting, a piece of the roof fell and hit him in the head. He felt like God was speaking to him, so he stood up and he said, Lord, I promise I'm going to give $1,000 towards the repair of this roof. And a voice at the back of the church was heard to say, Hit him again, Lord. <laughs> it is my experience that generosity breeds gratitude, which then breeds a deepened theology and starts that cycle all over again. I have a chart for you to see this. As you can see, a generous gift 
causes many expressions of thanksgiving to God and then deepens our understanding of the generosity of God. And then it starts all over again. And I believe that this passage particularly teaches us that truth. And if you want to follow along your notes, I'm going to try to unpack this cycle found in this passage for you this morning. The first part of that is to give generously. He says that it is the generous gift for which he writes. One of the reasons Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church was to prepare them for this visit, specifically for a major financial campaign that Paul was doing to help the poor in Jerusalem. The Christians in Jerusalem and Judea were under intense persecution. Their poverty was worse than most of us have ever seen in our lifetime. We find this conversation about his collection for the poor in the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians. And in Galatians chapter 2, he shares his heart for the poor. He promises the apostles that he would remember the poor and says, I'm eager to do that. And this section right here in chapter, 12, uh, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians is all about generosity. God desires a cheerful giver. When you sow generously, you reap a harvest of generosity. In fact, he tells the Corinthians that they have plenty now so that they can help those who do not have plenty. Generosity is something that's taught throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament alike. And it's also taught that generosity looks different for everyone. Your plenty may not be as much as that rich man sitting in the front of the service on that Sunday the roof caved in. But we who have more than we need can help those who do not have what they need. There was a story of a missionary in Africa who received a knock on the door. One of the uh, Native boys was holding a large fish in his hand. And the boy said, Reverend, you're, you taught us about tithing, so here I've brought my tithe. As the missionary gratefully looked at the fish, he questioned the boy, if this is your tithe, where is the other nine fish? And at this, the boy beamed and said, oh, they're still in the river. I'm going to go back and catch them now. It's a good little story of generosity based on what your plenty is. It's Hebrews chapter 13. It says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. I definitely got the wrong verse for that one.
So we are to give generously, and that's the first part of this cycle. Uh, but the second part of the th cycle is this thanksgiving to God. This many expressions of thanksgiving to God. And, 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 and so if you want to write down your notes, write down thanksgiving to God. But the, thanksgiving can be directed in so many different ways. This morning I was grateful for my wife. She set our coffee maker to start the coffee right as I woke up. And I was grateful for that. I was thankful I had a car that was operable. I was able to make it to church this morning. I'm thankful that you all have allowed me to be your pastor in this community. And when I stop and I think about thankfulness, when I think about gratitude, I have a deeper sense of thankfulness to God, even in the smallest of areas. It's much more obvious in bigger areas, right? We are all thankful that Joshua's here with us this morning. Hi, Josh. He has survived an absolutely awful wreck this week. His uh, car was totaled. And uh, it was Ron and Deb who posted on Facebook, thank God for seatbelts and his arms wrapped around Joshua. If you've seen pictures of the truck, you'd agree that God wrapped his arms around him. And that's my point. In the big items, we can see where God is moving and what God is doing. And we can say we're grateful for that. But even in the small items, are we directing our gratefulness to God? Let me just flood the screen with passages that speak about giving thanks. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, sing, make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you convinced, church? We are called to not only say thank you, but to direct that thanksgiving towards God. And there's good reason. The last part of this cycle is this consideration for a heavenly gift. So, so far we've seen him say that this service you performed is overflowing in expressions to God. So you sow generously and expressions go to God. But then it goes on to say, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. His indescribable gift. As we are thankful for the small and the big items that are going on in our lives, we have a deeper understanding of how good God really is. 
It was James chapter 1, verse 17 that says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Consider the gifts and the goodness of God. Todd Chateau shares this story that really helped me get my perspective straight. He says, I recently drove my adult son to the airport for a trip he was making with some friends. While he was gone, I drove his car a few times to make sure everything was running well. His car had actually been given to him by my wife and me when, when he was in college. And as I was driving his car, the thought occurred to me how generous I was to give him a car that's still, even after all these years, running so well. He said, I was thinking of myself pretty highly, figuratively patting myself on the back for being such a benevolent father. And then I remembered, several years ago, my wife's uncle called me. Age had crept up on him, his health was failing, and his wife, our aunt, had gotten to the point where they couldn't drive, and they didn't need the car anymore. I suppose they could have sold it, pocketed the cash, but they talked it over and decided to offer the car to me and my wife. And that's right. They were giving the car to us, and we gave that car to our son. The very car I now was driving, in which I was praising myself, was given to me. Shortly after I went through the how generously I am self-speech, I remembered where our car came from. I had simply given away something that had been given to me. I was struck with a sense of guilt and a sense of clarity. What I had learned is true with every act of generosity. Somehow, we have convinced ourselves that everything we have, we have earned. Somehow, we've come to believe that any ability we have to make money is our own devices. And somehow we pridefully congratulate ourselves when we give, even if it's just a little. And many times we fail to be generous as we selfishly clutch onto everything we have earned, never realizing that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That's right. Everything we give has been given to us by a benevolent father. That epiphany, driving my son's car, was a stark reminder that I am not an owner, I am a steward. I'm not as generous as I should be, but that divine insight has dared me to be better, and the journey to being more generous perhaps begins with the realization that everything I give away was never really mine in the first place. And do you see how that cycle works? As we give generously, 
to others and to the poor, to those who have a need, and many different forms. It's not just a money talk here. In many different ways, as we give, people are grateful. And Paul says the appropriate direction of that thanksgiving is to God because as we think more about it, God is really good. And he sure has given us a whole lot. And as I think about how much God gives me, I tend to give more away, which then gives expressions of thanks to God, which then leads to consideration of how good God is. And on and on and on it goes because gratitude develops theology, who God is. As we are thankful we have a deeper understanding of who God is. My challenge to you this morning is to stop and think about God when you say thank you. Stop and pause. Saying thanks for the generosity pointed to God is exactly what we're called to do by Paul here. And what an appropriate way for us to start. As we gather around the table this morning, we go to a time where we hold this little piece of bread and we hold this little cup of juice and we are reminded of an enormous sacrifice. The giving of his body the giving of his blood for you, for me. It's a reminder that God is good, and so good that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As we go to this time of communion, I want to encourage you to be grateful and to deepen your well of understanding of how good God is. Will you stand as we go to the Lord in prayer? Our Father and God, we are very thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ, a gift that was so deep and so great that we find struggle just to put the words together to describe how great and awesome it is. And as we gather around this table with generosity in our hearts, I pray that you will deepen our understanding of who you are, that you might deepen the intimacy that is there between the two of us, between God and and between man. Thank you for making a way through your son. And I pray that you'll bless this time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.